morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We have all your Thursday night NBA action from the first real games on the court in the Orlando bubble at the Walt Disney World Resort. I'm Zach Harper. That's Dave DeFord. That's Andrew Sleck pushing the buttons. Reminder, one-year subscription to The Athletic is 40% off the regular price. Just go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Get all the best from our team of writers. That's just $2.99 a month. Also, you get to comment on the uh, on the stories. You get to comment on the power rings. You get to do the live chats with Dave. You get to comment on the podcast. All that good stuff. Theathletic.com slash daily ding. 40% off the regular price for a one-year subscription. Coming up on today's show, Zion Williamson hits the court again. Lakers-Clippers battle for Los Angeles in a different Orange County in a different state. And the Utah Jets. Jazz didn't shut down the NBA Thursday night. But first, Dave, the NBA is actually back for real this time. None of these dumbass scrimmages on the court. We get real basketball. First action since March 11th when the league shut down as Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19 in OKC. Donovan Mitchell tested positive. The league mostly finished out that night, except the Kings and the Pelicans did not play. It's been like 140, 141 days since the last NBA action. And now, as we all know, they're playing out the final eight games to seed these things, maybe get a play-in tournament or two, and get the NBA playoffs with 22 teams going to the Orlando bubble. The last two rounds of testing in the bubble have brought zero positive tests. Dave, we did have Lou Williams go to Magic City for some chicken wings, but that's the biggest controversy we've had. It's been pretty a pretty smooth transition once everyone got to the bubble. Yeah, and we're all missing the forest for the wings on that. I, I think that, <laughs> you know, it could have been any restaurant that he went to. You know, we, we focus a lot on the fact that it's a strip club. But, but the truth of the matter is, if he had been at any restaurant, this is the protocol. You know, the strip club part. Completely, you know, and aside and, you know, I, now I just really want to try these wings. They're apparently amazing. I mean, they're they're apparently unbelievable. All right. Before we get to the action, you got to have a national anthem, right? In the NBA with the Jazz, with the Pelicans, with the referees, the coaches, they all knelt during the playing of the national anthem. The league has a rule against this, by the way. But Adam Silver said this after the peaceful demonstration. I respect our team's unified act of peaceful protest for social justice and under these unique circumstances will not enforce our long-standing rule requiring standing during the playing of our national anthem. Dave, I've got an idea. Let's just not have the rule. Or let's not have the anthem. That's Honestly, what? I mean, you know, every time I clock into work, you know, every time I start a podcast, I don't we don't play the national anthem when I start writing power rankings. You don't no. go, if you're working in an office, they don't play the national anthem before you sit down at your cubicle. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah, it, it's actually extremely weird. Uh, you know, I've I've lived in other countries and th- this is one of the things that gets brought up. Why do you guys play your national anthem before sporting events that aren't international competition? It, it is actually a strange practice. And so I explained to them, you know, how these things work. But. As far as not having, you know, the rule against kneeling, I agree. And as a matter of fact, there's a strong argument to be made that the kneeling, because it is holding up the memory of soldiers who have died for what the flag stands for, or at least what we hope it stands for, uh, kneeling is more respectful than standing. It's often a sign of reverence, right? That's right. I mean, what do you do when, you, you know, if you're a religious person, you kneel to pray, right? So maybe, I just, maybe you know, let's get done with done with these old antiquated just just practices that don't really make any sense anymore. Yeah, we get it. Just, we can both protest police brutality, racial injustice and support the troops at the same time. It's possible. I promise. Yeah, I promise. Yeah. Let's just give it a shot. What else we've got? 
NBA action, Jazz 106, Pelicans 104. Oh my God. Dave, it felt great to get these two teams back on the court. Obviously, everything's safe. That's the number one priority. But Zion Williamson played short bursts. Only played what he played fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen yeah. minutes, and I guess the big story, like this is a this is a good one, right? Rudy Gobert had the first basket of the restart, which is kind of kind of ironic, and then he had the game clinching free throws to knock this one down and give the Jazz the victory after Brandon Ingram missed a potential game winning three point attempt, and so it's it's interesting because the Jazz had you know Jazz don't really need this game although they are fighting for position the Pelicans need this game right and so you would mm-hmm. think you know they didn't really talk about a minutes restriction just said hey it's you know it's going to be short burst we'll figure it out but then after the game Alvin Gentry said of course we wish we could have played Zion down the stretch but we've used the minutes that were given to us and that's the way it is the medical people said we played them in the minutes that were allowed for us to play him and just move on so Dave wow. Did Alvin Gentry screw this up? Did the Pelicans screw this up? What do you think about Zion not playing down the stretch of this game? I mean, I think obviously it's a mistake if you're trying to win basketball games. You know, he's your best player. And I know he wasn't having a great game, especially defensively. But, you know, he looked pretty good out there when when he was running up and down the court. Obviously, the touch is still there. It was six of eight from the field. Um, Had a really nice behind the back pass and transition. You have to listen to your medical staff and you want to protect this guy's career and think long term. But at the same time, you know, why play 15 minutes if you can't have him out in the game when it matters, you know, in crunch time? And so, you know, maybe Alvin should have uh, thought ahead and been like, well, if the game is close, I want to keep him out there. But at the sec- at the same time, you can't sit and second guess yourself constantly. So if they only got 15 minutes and he played the 15 minutes, you felt like he was, I guess, impactful. He was minus 16, even though single game plus minus sucks, you know, he was getting beat when they were on the court. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I would have liked to see the first him. quarter, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily just Zion. I mean, you know, they, they had some issues. Lonzo had a really awful game and I actually think his defense wasn't very good in this game either. Um, Derek favors looks like he's still hurt. I don't know, but he was awful. So, you know, there were some issues. Listen, everything being perfect. Yeah. Zion's out there closing the game. But it is what it is. I guess if there's a 15-minute limit, there's a 15-minute limit. I I mean, I just kind of throw my hands up at this point. Is he hurt or is he healthy? And I think that that's what it comes down to. And if they don't feel like he's healthy enough to play a full basketball game, maybe you shouldn't play him at all. Yeah, it's... It's weird because also like it's just a weird management of those minutes if he's going to have 15 minutes, right? Like he basically is complete non-fact in the fourth quarter. You're struggling to score down the stretch. He's a natural scorer. Yeah, he had issues. And I I do want to get to the Derek Favor stuff because when those two were on the floor together and and Brandon Ingram wasn't very good defensively either. No. um, You know, like that that's, you know, Drew Holiday is a great defender, but he can't pull all those guys together. Like that's just not how it works. And so – if you're going to have a team that struggles, and this team has struggled, Dave, as you know, so much in the fourth quarter and down the stretch of close games. It's the reason why they're in the hole like that they're in. Like Obviously, this is a team that dealt with a lot of injuries, and Zion was a big one this year, a big injury for them. But at the same time, like this team doesn't really know what to do offensively, which is weird because that's a pretty solid offensive team when they're when they're healthy. And so it seems like they just end up going, all right, I guess Drew – 
or Brandon, you guys can just dribble around for a little bit and then jack up a shot for this fourth quarter possession. But they don't really do a whole lot um, offensively outside of that. And so Zion kind of breaks that naturally. Exactly. And the thing is, he finds buckets where they don't exist. You know, he he gets, you know, those putbacks. He he comes out of the corner and, and catches lobs, you know, from the dunker spot. Like he's got gravity as as a dunker, which is something that is pretty rare. I mean, he's he's almost like a a Shaq Steph Curry hybrid, you know, minus the three three point shooting and being seven foot three hundred pounds. Like he's somewhere in the middle of that. And I just think having that X factor on the court, especially when your offense isn't clicking. And guys aren't hitting shots yeah. and they're not defending. Like, what do you have to lose? You know, they got outscored in the fourth quarter, 27-17. The, the second half in general, you know, they got outscored by 14 points. It's yeah. just not it's not good. And, you know, it's because, yes, their defense stinks. And they're a young team, so the defense is going to be, you know, we're not expecting them to be, you know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. But you got to have more than what they brought tonight. It just wasn't enough. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the fourth quarter numbers are ugly. Six of 22 from the field, four turnovers, three assists. Like, that's just not going to get it done, right? Um, no, no. And, and, and you're right. They're, they're young. Actually, you know, we'll, I'm sure some Jazz fans are saying, hey, we won the game. Talk about us. We will. Yeah, we Hold are. On. We'll get we'll get there. We got a lot to talk about. But what did you think about the end of game situation for the Pelicans? The final. So Rudy Gobert hits the two free throws to, to go up, uh, go up two in the final seconds. And by the way, Donovan Mitchell had a couple of really nice plays down the stretch after having a really brutal stretch in this game where Drew Holiday was just hounding him, hounding yeah. him and making life miserable. He adjusted. He made some nice plays down the stretch. He found Rudy Gobert for the foul that led to those two uh, two winning free throws. But after you know, on that final possession, they run a play and it looked like JJ Redick was coming clean off a screen, right? And he mm-hmm. was great in this game for them. Like he was unbelievable. He's doing stuff off the ball. He's doing stuff off the catch. He's doing stuff spotting up. Like he, JJ was fantastic in this game. And it looked like he was coming off clean, and Brandon kind of ignored it. And Brandon Ingram went there. He uh, he he kind of isolated. He did a little bit of a sidestep three. Got a good look. Did you like them going for the win? Did you like Ingram taking that shot? Should Reddick have gotten the ball? Should they have attacked the basket? Like, what, what's your take on that? You know, I think I was comfortable with them going for the win. Uh, it's a young team, and why not? If they don't make the playoffs, it's not the end of the world. But at a, at a certain point, you want players like Brandon Ingram to develop trust in themselves, to be able to take those shots. That's a, that's a star player shot that he took. Yeah. And by the way, he got a great look. And it went in and out. I mean, this was not a brick that he shot. I mean, it, it really did drop in the hoop and come right out. It, it, I, I thought it was good. And I was like, wow, Brandon Ingram. You know, he was so hot to start this game. It's like everything was going well for him. Then it kind of fell off a little bit. And you like to see the confidence in a guy his age to take the game-winning look when it's there. I, You know, we could second-guess all day long, but you could second-guess almost every single play in the NBA. I'm not going to second guess Brandon Ingram on it. I, I think that as long as the coaching staff trusts him to make that decision, that's his decision to make. And I thought it was a good shot. What about you? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, one, I'm a big fan of going for the win. I like. I I think if you're, I think if you're a team that's superior and you feel confident going in into an overtime period, uh, you know, go for whatever you think is going to be the best play there. If you're a younger team, if you're the lesser team, you always go for the win. I like don't jack up a horrible shot to do it, but he got a good look. Like I do, I watched that play a couple of times, and JJ comes off and he looks pretty clean. Now I think the defense could have converged by the time the ball got to him. Uh, it wasn't a long pass, but they were close enough. But a bang bang play there, and obviously you you want JJ Redick on that team 
taking that shot. But I, I'm comfortable. Like Ingram, look, he struggled in the second half. He was killing the first half, as you mentioned. Like Royce O'Neal couldn't do anything with him. Joe Ingles couldn't do anything with him. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert got switched on him a couple times. He couldn't do anything with him. Like Ingram was cooking early. And then they adjusted. Royce O'Neal made nice adjustments defensively. You know, they they swarmed him. They got him off his dribble. They got him off balance. They bumped him. They were physical. Uh, but he was still like, he still looked like he was in a pretty good rhythm on that shot. And look, if this dude is going to be your best scorer, which, by the way, he's an all-star. He is their best scorer. Um, that's not a shot at Drew Holiday. It's not a shot at Zion. But if if we're creating a shot you know, in isolation, he's the guy I want. I'm comfortable with him taking that shot and him wanting to take that shot. Yeah, and he was a, he was legitimately in his bag to, to start this game tonight. I mean, he was doing everything. And, and that three ball, you can see how it's opened up the court for him. He's able to attack closeouts now because guys are closing out hard on that three. And he's so smooth getting to the hoop that, I mean, he's now a, a legitimate multi-level scoring threat. And so, you know, I want to invest in a few missed shots at the end of games for Brandon Ingram because the hope is by the time this team is ready to compete, Brandon Ingram is hitting those shots. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I look, I think it's all about development. Yes, they need to make the playoffs. Well, they don't need to make the playoffs. It would be nice for them to make the playoffs, right? It would be yeah. nice for them to trigger that play-in tournament. It would be nice to get that experience. But this te- this is a team that hopefully over the next five years is going to grow exponentially. They have a ton of talent. They've got a ton of potential. They like. I think we all believe that David Griffin's going to keep building this team the right way and and finding guys to complement these young guys and, and veterans to complement these, these young guys. And they'll keep building in a process. I don't know if it's like, ooh, 2009, 2010 Thunder vibes, you know, that seems a little extreme, but like, all right, what if they're 75% of that team, right? That's a damn good team that they could get to. And so I think you have to feel confident that you kind of allow them to make their own errors. Now, I do want to talk about the favors Zion pairing because that to me was brutal. I saw some people killing Zion for his defensive stuff. And look, he was bad defensively. Don't get me wrong. I I find it a little weird that I found it a little weird that like we're focusing on Zion getting cooked by Mike Conley on a play, right? He's he's making these mistakes. He's a step slow or a step not at all, right? But at the same time, I'm looking at favors on those. And and I don't want to blame favors for this the defensive woes either. Like it's a it's truly a team effort here. But I'm looking at favors a couple of times. I'm like, where are you? Like you're yeah. the veteran, you're like especially the way he played last year, Dave, for the Jazz, in mostly a, a secondary big man role where he was, you know, they they weren't pairing him with with Rudy a whole lot. He was backing Rudy up essentially on a lot of these rotations, and and he was great defensively. He was absolutely yeah. great defensively last year, and maybe he is hurt. Uh, again, he's dealt with a lot of issues over the last few years with his body, but man, he looked terrible defensively. Well, and it's funny because this game was was a great example for Utah early on on how much they missed Derek Favors because the second that Gobert came out of the game, things started to fall apart for them early on. Like, I mean, nine minute mark of the first quarter, and, and like the wheels fell off of their defense, and that's how why the Pelicans look so good because you know Gobert's backup isn't Derek Favors anymore. But you're right; it, it was not just Zion; it was not just. Favors. I mean, Ingram did a poor job, I thought, tonight. Lonzo was kind of all over the place. Yeah, Lonzo you know, had good stretches defensively, and mm-hmm. then there's some where I'm just like, where are like, where are you, right? Like, you're right. too good to, even for such a young, inexperienced guy, he's too good yeah. defensively to play that poorly. Yeah, he just looked like, I don't know if it's a conditioning thing or just, you know, got to get back in the flow, but he looked off. Uh, I think Drew Holiday is the only guy you could say definitely defended his position well tonight. Yeah. Uh, J.J. Redick? 
did pretty well. Josh Hart, I thought, looked pretty good. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think we've talked about the Pelicans enough. I want to get us to Utah because they won this game, right? The Pelicans, we can we can say that the Pelicans defense gave it up, but they won this game. And Donovan Mitchell deserves a lot of credit for what he did in the fourth quarter. Look, I, I think that I pay a little too much attention to what Twitter talks about with it because, like, I feel like – Twitter. I was actually talking with with someone connected to a team during this game who's like, I don't think like I think Donovan's overhyped, you know, like I don't think he's that good. I was like, really? Like, I think he's that good. Like, I think he's good. I think he's he's underappreciated. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, he was an also I'm like, look, I just think like the way people talk about him is they're too critical of him considering like this is a guy who in the playoffs has had a couple of disastrous series against the Rockets because there's no help for him offensively, right? Like Rudy Gobert's not help. He's just not. Like Ricky Rubio was not help for him. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich was supposed to be, and then he has the wrist surgery. And so I think like, look, Donovan needs to make better decisions overall when it comes to the playoffs. But man, he's been good in the fourth quarter this year. Like he has been a killer in the fourth quarter. He's made great decisions. He had a couple of mistakes tonight in the fourth, but for the most part, he attacked really well. He... He was the threat offensively in terms of scoring that he needed to be, and he found guys. Right. I, I I think he's at his best when he's really patient. And you can see it in the pick and roll. When he gets too impatient with what's happening, doesn't let things develop, doesn't let Gobert roll you know, hard, uh, you can see that's when he has to throw up something wild or he throws a wild pass. And he can only throw that one pass to the to the left hand corner, you know, with his right, right yeah, hand. He's not, he doesn't he's not have that other pass the whole yet. vision of the floor. Yeah, <laughs> and so you know, but in the fourth quarter tonight, he did a really good job of taking his time, switching and flipping screens when he needed to, instead of just hey, I'm going to put my head down and try to get to the hoop and draw a foul. And it's funny to talk about him having you know a, a, the fourth quarter and his performance being so pivotal when he only took three shots. But that should tell you everything you need to know. He went to the line. He shot five free throws. I I just think that that Donovan Mitchell is the only way that Utah gets out of the first round of the playoffs. He has to be patient. And if you notice, Mike Conley actually had a really nice game. And a lot of that was because we got to see more of Donovan being patient. You know, he still had stretches in the game where he he was probably getting a little bit ahead of himself. But I I think overall, this was a pretty good Donovan Mitchell game, especially the second half. Yeah, I'm with you. And and I think just the Jazz team as a whole, like they got off to a a quick start, right? And then um, that second unit came in. It was just a disaster. Like Jordan Clarkson was terrible in that first half. Tony Bradley barely looked like an NBA player. Like they, it was just, it was all bad. I don't, uh, Emmanuel Moutier was out there for some reason. Like he was terrible. Like it was just, it was all bad. And then when it got to the second half, like Jordan Clarkson was heating up a little bit, right? Like Tony Bradley made fewer mistakes and they, they put Donovan with the second unit a little bit. They put Joe with the second unit a little bit. They put Mike Conley and it just calmed things down in a way where they didn't have their feet early on in that first half. And, and Jordan Clarkson, man, he was look, I've never been a huge Jordan Clarkson guy, but when he hits the three, I'm in. Well, anyone hits the three, you know, I'm in, but when he hits the three, I'm in and like him in the second half, it wasn't just that he hit shots is that he put pressure on the defense with the shots he took. Yeah, he was attacking the basket and that was good. But his defense is so bad. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's no coincidence that they that this team falls apart when their bench is on the court. And, And that's been an issue for them all season. You know, their starting five, even without. Bogdanovich is pretty solid and especially defensively. But 
the bench, man, they just have no depth. And so they have to figure out a way, I think, going forward to stagger these minutes a little bit. I don't know how how they defend without Gobert on the court. I don't know what they're going to wind up doing. Maybe you got to figure out some way to, I don't know, play some small ball or, or something. But you, they have to find a way to win those minutes or at least tread water in those minutes yeah. when Gobert's not on the court. Because he, he's too important to their defense, unfortunately. You know, it's bad for them that he is so important. Uh, This is where they're really missing Derek Favors. But when everything is clicking and Donovan and and Rudy are in sync, meaning Donovan is giving Rudy time to get to his spots and hits his spots, we see what this can look like. This could be a really good team. I still think they don't have the depth, but we know that the starters are solid, so they're going to be in a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, the Rudy-Donovan pairing, it looked as good as I've seen it this year, right? Like look it looked fine. it looked good yeah. in scrimmages and then they like look yeah, there were a couple of couple of miscues. You're right. When when Donovan's switching speeds in that pick and roll attack, right? Like because when he's when he's just like I don't want to say panicking, but I guess pressing a little bit. And I do think there's a difference. When mm-hmm. he's just going coming off that screen and just attack, 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 it's it's just a little reckless. And tonight, like he was just kind of slowing it down, allowing Gobert to roll, allowing the the defense to have to make a decision instead of making the decision for the defense. And when you saw that, he's able to find guys. And you're right, he's he's mostly just finding that left corner or he's finding that, you know, Gobert in the dunker spot. But but he was he was just making better plays down the stretch. And and, and like it's gonna it's gonna be a non-story until it's a story again, right? But this this Gobert Donovan stuff. Once things go bad in a game and it goes bad down the stretch or they go, it goes bad in a playoff series, then we'll see what that relationship is. But these are moments where you can you know keep building that and take the pressure of those questions away. Yeah, things got tight and you could see Donovan was trusting Rudy. And I think that that is huge for this team going forward, especially when we hear the stories, you know, that that these guys might have a rift uh, and we get to watch on the court and see that everybody's in sync. That's huge for them. Uh, I feel a little bit more confident about them going forward, but I still worry about that bench big time. Yeah. And then big adjustment for the Jazz in the second half and in and, and the game in general when they realized, oh, the Pelicans can't defend the rim. They they just attacked the rim. They just got there as much as they could. 58% on two-pointers in the game, 8 of 34 on three-pointers. Um, that was kind of the tale of their offense, clicking or not clicking. If you're a business owner, you're going to want to listen up because what better way to promote your business than to advertise on the NBA Daily Ding? Listeners are loyal and engaged just like you. And what better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this show, the NBA Daily Ding, go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. Clippers lose to the Lakers in a tight one, Dave. Oh my goodness. This is what you want. Lakers 103, Clippers 102. Two two-point contests tonight in the in the restart in Orlando. LeBron with the big play down the stretch. He misses a shot, just a weird force runner. It goes off front rim. He follows his shot. He gets the rebound. He gets the putback. That ends up being your game-winning bucket. Paul George missed a three-pointer. Again, I like going for the three. We don't want overtime in these seeding games. I just don't, Dave. 
I don't. Yeah, don't especially need for these guys. Come yeah, on. Yeah. So, all right. This is <laughs> this is the interesting thing, right? LeBron has a pretty mediocre scoring game. He's great defensively, but a pretty mediocre scoring game, especially by his standards. Uh, but you get Kyle Kuzma stepping up. You get Anthony Davis with with a monster game. You get um, who else did you get? You had uh, you know Caruso make some big plays. You had Deion Waiters with a good game off the bench. Uh, to make up for LeBron's poor shooting. He was just 6-19 from the field, 16 points. But from the Clippers' standpoint, right? No Montrez, no Lou Williams. They played a lot of Reggie Jackson. They played oh, They played ton. someone named Amir Coffey. They played a lot of Landry Shamit, a lot of Jermichael Green, a lot of Joakim Noah. Um, I do wonder, and I don't, I'm not saying this because the Clippers lost. I don't want that to come off that way. I wonder how seriously the Clippers took it. And I, I'll say this. At least from an offensive standpoint, I wonder how seriously LeBron took it. You know, it's funny. LeBron just so rarely has bad games that they really stand out when they happen. I was I was actually talking to a friend of mine. I can't remember the last time I saw LeBron look as off as he did tonight. And so it's pretty incredible when you think about what he did in the fourth quarter, especially at the end. Like that was just pure will and skill, right? Like he was off the entire night. I mean, six and nineteen overall. Uh, that last play, I mean, you and I were actually talking when it happened. Yeah, that is like that is pure will from LeBron. Absolutely. That is, I'm going to the hoop. I'm hoping to get the foul. Didn't get it. Oh, let me go ahead and decide. You know, after I don't hear the whistle, to just snag this rebound and get the putback to win the game. That is the kind of stuff that makes LeBron LeBron and makes him special. And, and so, yeah, I, I think he was taking it seriously. Like LeBron gets up for these games in I, a way that other superstars don't. I wish that other superstars would. Like yeah. I wish I could tell you, I think Kawhi Leonard really wanted to beat LeBron tonight. And I just don't believe that. Yeah. I don't know. Like Kawhi is probably taking a nap already asleep. I think LeBron took it seriously at the end. I don't think he took it seriously in the first half. I don't even know if he took it seriously in the third quarter. But in the fourth quarter, it, like he was clearly trying to win the game, right? So I think yeah. he coasts a little bit. And he should. They have nothing to play for in here other than nothing. health. Just be yeah. healthy. So, like, I have no problem with that. But you're right. Like, it, the, the lights got a little bit brighter. Fourth quarter came, and, and LeBron was good. Like, he was just flat out good. Anthony Davis was a monster in this game. I think LeBron playing the old rope-a-dope, Dave. I think he's trying to get oh. people to think he's washed again. Right. I remember when he made up that people were calling him washed, even though it was just washed like King. AJ Goat 2929407 on Twitter was saying that he's the washed king. Um, and then he's used that as revenge, which whatever. Use whatever motivation you got to use, LeBron. But I think it's the old rope dope. I think he's trying to get us called call him washed. And then he can you know, go back on the revenge tour. I have a stat to back you up here. OK. Uh, the Lakers shot 37 free throws. LeBron only shot two. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, so by the I, way, you might be on something. All good on Scott Foster refereeing NBA game. I I do not want to see it anymore. He ruined this game. Dave, he flat ruined. out ruined the flow of this game. The first half took three hours. 57 personal oh fouls, gosh. 65 free throws. At halftime, they were on pace for 90 free throws. Was he so the second half, they actually time? sped it up. It was awful. You he had an an itchy whistle. Finger, you know, like he (laughs) was just ready. (laughs) He was just ready. And like it killed the flow of this game. And you could tell like the guys were even like out of out of sync. Yeah. Second half was much better basketball. You know, the the Lakers probably feel pretty good because LeBron obviously didn't have a good game. Even Anthony Davis, 
didn't really look good shooting the ball until late. You know, I mean, he he scored 34 points, but he had 60. He was 16 of 17 from the line. Yeah. So uh, his shot was a little off. I mean, everybody was. They, they shot 39 percent as a team, 30 percent from three. It wasn't a good offensive night from the, from them. I thought their defense was pretty good, though. Yeah, I thought the defense was pretty good. It was a little tough to tell just because of how little flow there was in the game due to both teams. There's lack of conditioning, right? Like, there's a lot going on there in that first game. And so I felt like, I felt like for the most part, both teams were playing good defense, but with the whistles and with the lack of conditioning and some of these dudes just look gassed, like, it was kind of hard to tell what was good defense and what was just rusty offense. Anthony Davis, man, like this is this is obviously he, he's a matchup problem always, but this is going to be a matchup problem for the Clippers. Now, I do think they have some some different things that they can do, but man, when he gets and granted, some of this was whistles from Scott Foster, but we've seen games like this from AD where he just decides I am getting to the free throw line whenever I want to. And he got yeah. to the free throw line a ton. And he was just, he was dominant from a physical presence. Like, I didn't think he played a great skill game necessarily, aside from the, a couple of those three-pointers in the fourth quarter. But just from a just from a just an empowering presence, physical presence, I thought he was dominant. You could, you could almost say it seemed like the game plan was for AD to come out and shake the rust off yeah. by getting physical. Yeah. You know, he only took five threes tonight, which is a little bit different than what he was doing toward the end of the season where he was actually like lighting it up from behind the line. Um, And he was like trying to post up and trying to put pressure on the defense and, you know, trying to create for other people. I did think that Clippers had a lot of a lot of success when they were coming with the hard double. Yeah. Because Anthony Davis got a little sped up. He committed a few turnovers out of the double team. And so I think that in a potential series, we'll probably see a lot of that from the Clippers. They have the bodies to be able to do it. Paul George and his length really bothered him. Uh, You know, they had Morris coming in, uh, you know, with that big body. And I think that that's the one thing. Yeah, that's the one thing that the Clippers can do to kind of contain Anthony Davis. And then, you know, we know Kawhi can hang with LeBron. So I, I think that when we get, you know, when we get into the playoffs, if we see this series, it's not going to look a lot like tonight because I think both teams will by then be on their A game. But I also think that, you know, everyone's going to take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, Kawhi, I thought was a step slow. I thought he was mm-hmm. uh, short on on a lot of the stuff he missed and and it just didn't look like he had his legs under him, uh, which I guess to be expected for most of these guys. And he still ended up with 28 points, right? Like he was still, he was still <laughs> yeah, good, got yeah. to the free throw line 13 times against Scott Foster, but he got to the free throw line 13 times. Paul George was hyper efficient. He missed the final shot, but he had 30 points on 11 to 17 shooting, hit six threes. Um, thought he looked know, great. Yeah, I mean, and defensively, like he was just locked in. Defensively, he looks so good. But I think the story of this game is kind of like that Lakers supporting cast. Again, this is a meaningless game for the Lakers, other than they kind of want to make a little bit of a statement, right? They, they one of the first games back, they want to sh- they want to show out, they want to look good. Deion Waiters was fantastic in this game for them. Kyle Kuzma made huge plays in the second half. Alex Caruso made big defensive plays, had a had a big bucket in transition. Um, that's what they need to see, right? Like that the way Kuzma played in that fourth quarter, I thought was some of the best basketball I've seen him play. Uh Deion Waiters not afraid of of the moment. Jared Smith looked terrible, but whatever. He's gonna look terrible as he you know hasn't played in almost two years. What did you think of that supporting cast? I think Kuzma was fantastic. And, and you know, I don't expect this to be what what he is for the rest of the season. But if he if he is, let's go ahead and start sizing those championship rings because this is the guy that they've needed. They needed like a stretch tall. 
You know, I'm not going to call him a big, but a stretch tall who can who can be ready to catch those, you know, those double team kickouts from Anthony Davis and, and knock down shots going four of seven from three for Kuzma. That's I mean, that's massive. Like We watched him in the scrimmages. He was struggling with his shot in the bubble. Uh, I think this is big for him going forward. And, and hopefully he, he has confidence. What did bother me was I thought Dwight Howard looked Way off tonight. I, I thought his defense was kind of sloppy, and and they won the minutes that he was out there. But I didn't think he had much of an impact, which is completely different than what was happening during the season. Yeah, hundred percent. Like he 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 looks slow, right? Like I said, yeah. Kawhi looks mm-hmm. like Dwight looked. Dwight looked heavy almost to me. Well, like, remember he lost forty pounds for the fourth season in a row before this before right. the regular season started, right. and I wonder has he put on. You know, 160 pounds that we just can't tell. Yeah, you never know. I mean, we, you know, we won't know until we get those full measurements and physicals from the bubble. But, uh, but yeah, like he looked heavy. He looked slow to me. You know, JaVale was whatever. But yeah, like Dwight's going to be need to be that guy because we know AD doesn't love playing the five for for extended stretches. And so, uh, and you and I have talked about this on on Basketballs on the Athletic NBA show. Is you know, Dwight has been great for them all season long like he's just been a huge x factor he's you know he i don't want to go as far to say he's looked like orlando dwight or even houston dwight defensively but he's looked really good in shorter minutes and able to kind of maximize those minutes and and yeah they won the minutes tonight with him on the floor like you mentioned but i actually thought like i was watching him and and noah joking noah go and and look noah looked pretty rusty as well but i was thinking like noah looks better tonight Right. Like, I don't yeah. know if it actually played out that way, but I, just in the moment, I just thought Noah looked better uh, for the Clippers. But also, like, you know, he does a little bit more offensively. He's setting better screens. He's setting a lot of screens and he's doing a lot oh, of yeah. those smart, you know, kind of veteran tricks. But, yeah, like I, I was a little concerned with with Dwight. But again, like it's it's the first game back. I don't think we can expect huge things. Yeah, I mean, he clearly is not up to his normal conditioning standards, meaning just game shape or whatever. And with Noah, because of the injury, the Achilles thing that he suffered in in September, I'm pretty sure he's just been training the entire time. Dwight maybe had taken some time off. I'm not sure, but clearly didn't look like he was in game shape. I think the big story off the bench besides Kuzma has to be Deion Waiters. Oh, man, Philly cheese, baby. He He was good. He looked good, and that gives them a creator that can be out there when LeBron's not on the court, a legitimate creator, a guy that can get his own shot off and create for other people. I mean, Deion Waiters, Anthony Davis pick and roll might be a little bit scary. It looked good, man. Like, look, I don't think he's better than Avery Bradley. I liked him oh, as yeah, a no. fit. <laughs> I liked him as a fit, though, better with this offensively for sure because – He's a better offensive player than Avery Bradley. I don't think Avery Bradley's a strong dribbler, right? Um, I don't think he makes a lot of great plays with the ball as an initiator. And that's not really his job, but Dion's going to be able to do that. Now, he's also going to have some rough shooting stretches because he does not have a conscience with that stuff. But I I like that he's ready to shoot. They need guys who are ready to shoot. Like, you know, Danny Green's ready to shoot for the most part. KCP likes to shoot. Caruso will shoot. But, you know, when Rondo's back, he's he's not a guy who really wants to shoot the ball. Dion wants to shoot. And he can. Right. And if he plays anything close to that Miami Heat version that we saw before he got paid, um, and granted, that was a really good player in those that last half of the season. But if he plays anything close to that, that's a huge weapon for the Lakers. Yeah, he's he's going to eventually shoot them into some games and maybe even shoot them out of some games. God willing. Uh, 
but both. My stat, of, my stat of the night from this game, and I know I just said single game plus minus is an awful stat. Game high plus 17 for Deion Waiters. Says it all. I buy it, man. Look, I, I'm with you. It's not a great stat, especially in such small samples and single game use, but he made a huge difference. Like he was a huge difference in that game. I buy the Kyle Kuzma plus minus. He was plus 12. Like those guys just controlled their minutes in the second half and controlled those minutes on the floor. And that was the difference because the, the Clippers, aside from Pat Beverly, and I know I know he ended up with a minus on the plus minus. If we're going to keep giving out that stat. But, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, Pat was great down the stretch. He was great in the fourth. He, he had a, one bad shot here. But for the most part, he was kind of a calming influence when, when he was on the floor. And look, the Clippers just didn't have a lot of those guys tonight. No, not at all. And, and you know, Pat Beverly has been out of the bubble, only played 16 minutes tonight. You know, Doc is going to be extremely conservative with his guys. He's going to he's going to ramp his minutes up. I'm I'm guessing that we don't see Pat Beverly go over 25 minutes until maybe game three or four. Yeah, it's you know, Dave, I, it's going to be a lot more Reggie Jackson. And let me tell you, oh, I did not miss Reggie Jackson basketball. Reggie Jackson feels like it was too much. Reggie Jackson. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that, but he, it was a lot of Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was here's what here's the thing that Reggie Jackson did do well. He did put pressure on the interior defense of the Lakers like he was getting to the hoop. Yeah, he just wasn't finishing. And, and you know, again, we, we should expect some of this. We should expect some guys to be rusty. Some guys are going to have great games. I mean, when was the last time LeBron went six of 19? Yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea. Often. So. Yeah, so I, I don't want to judge. I don't want to say this is what Reggie's going to be because he was pretty decent for them a, after he signed. Uh, I think that they hope that this is not what Reggie's going to be. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that probably as we get deeper and in, and in into the real playoff games, I we probably don't see Reggie unless it's a break glass in case of emergency situation. You know what, Dave? That feels like a daily ding. You know. <sighs> It felt like, like we one. talked real basketball. No. Oh, I wonder what it's going to look like if they come back. No, this was basketball. We see what it's like. It looked pretty good. It looked like basketball. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, the level man. Of play, I thought the level of play tonight, all things considered, was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 look, it was, it was rough in a couple of stretches, but for the most part, it looked better than I thought it would. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to see more of it. Six games on Friday. A couple of big ones. We got Magic Nets. That is for the seventh seed out there in the Eastern Conference. It actually look it, Nets. Are I know gonna, it's Nets a big, are duct taped together at this game. point, but it is actually a meaningful game in the in the scheme of things. We got Grizzlies Blazers. We don't care about Suns Wizards, but we got Celtics Bucks. We got uh, Kings Spurs, which is kind of a weird one, and then uh, Rockets and Mavericks. That's James Harden versus Luka Doncic to fill out the rest of the night. That's it for this Daily Ding. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the other podcasts on the Athletic Podcast Network. Of course, the Athletic NBA show. We got Nerdish You Wrote on Friday. Fun point of contention episode with myself and uh, Marcus Thompson and Ethan Strauss on Thursday. Check that one out. Uh, Hoops Adjacent was great this week. Great round table. Tampering was fantastic with Sam Amick and Nerdish You Wrote with Dave DeFore. Mo Dakiel, Seth Partner. is going to be a lot of fun on Friday and of course check out no dunks check out the team specific shows check out the bubble wrap from the uh, from the guys at no dunks they're doing that now and uh, we're going to hit you up Sunday night for Monday morning again right here on the daily ding make sure you subscribe to the athletic the athletic.com slash daily ding for 40% off a one-year subscription Dave hit me with that sign off ding ding